Listening to Music Mania, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here are your hosts, the Twins of Chaos, Clint Schweitzer and Paul Lagana. Once again, thank you for downloading the Music Mania podcast on iTunes or watching on YouTube. Click that subscribe button, and we have a huge guest this week. But before we welcome Mr. Steve Blaze from Lillian X, I got to welcome my side prick, Paul Lagana. <laughs> I guess that's what you've been called on on Metal yeah, Sludge. Uh, is that okay with you? Icicle in the side prick, as they say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's uh, pretty we inventive. Well, <laughs> add that to the intro. I say you got to give him credit for being. Uh, you know. I love it. I love you know. Bring it all on. Hey, you, the worst thing in life to have is apathy. At least. If, if you love it, you love the show, you hate the show, you listen, we got we at least bring on some guests that usually people want to hear from, and that, that's what matters. Right. we got Steve Blaze coming up from yeah. one of my favorite bands, Lillian Axe, because Paul, Misery Loves Company, and All's Fair in Love and War, one of my favorite bands. You know, they came out in the late 80s, uh, they, they, they trudged on through the 90s uh, with Poetic Justice and Psycho Schizophrenia, two great albums in 92 and 93. And they're they're still out there doing it, man. Steve Blaze has uh, forged this band ahead. They've released several albums since I think like five albums since '07 in the last ten years. We're gonna be talking to him about all that and much more. I know well, you're a big Lillian Axe fan as well. Absolutely. Uh, again, they got caught up in the late '80s, early '90s rock scene where grunge was coming on. Uh, they recorded three albums, I believe, uh, within five years, but. Uh, with uh, uh, Psycho Schizophrenia being the last, and then boom, they were swallowed up by grunge. Yeah, and in a way they were, but I mean, I tell you what, you go back to Love and War, and I think to me that's one of the best rock albums of the 80s. If you're talking about you know that genre, the 80s, the quote-unquote hair metal genre, you look at what uh, Love and War was, that song Love and War, She Likes It on Top, the ballad, The World Stopped Turning, uh, way ahead right. of its time, I mean, really good stuff, very melodic. I mean, Lillian X has always been one of the more melodic-sounding you know, rock bands, and of course they're from Louisiana. Louisiana. They were never a part of that L.A. scene. Maybe that hurt in hindsight. It's possible. Uh, they were produced by, uh, the first album was produced by Robin Crosby. So uh, they were noticed, but again, you know, they got caught up in that scene where just as they were getting ready to, you know, they did actually uh, change uh, labels at that point. Too, yeah, they so. did. They did change labels. But, you know, and, and I thought Poetic Justice was a really good album. And I thought, um, you know, they did some videos. They did the video for True Believer, um, mm -hmm. you know, back from Love and War. And I thought that, you know, that there could have been some more capitalizing on that. Some other singles that could have come from Love and War. Um, and even the, the, the title track from Misery, you know, from their self-titled album, Misery Loves Company, it was right off the bat. Lil X had made an impact. Uh, weren't able to sustain it, but they're still out there. They've outlived a lot of their counterparts, which uh, we're going to ask mm -hmm. Steve about. Steve's also a part, Paul, of a paranormal investigation team That's called right. The Veil. We're going to ask about that because um, he's still looking for uh, a television network to pick that up. Hope it happens. And I'm going to tell you what, it is our pleasure to go ahead and welcome our guest this week on the Media Podcast. It is Mr. Steve Blaze for one of my favorite bands of all time, Lillian X. And I'm not just saying that. Steve, welcome to the show. How's everything going out there in your world, my man? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Everything's going real well. I'm 
you know, keeping really, really busy, which is just, uh, you know, I, I get teased all the time about being the busiest person in showbiz. I, I just like to keep busy and keep moving, but uh, everything's going well, man. We're doing really well. Well, absolutely. And I tell you, you know, this goes on beyond the music, of course. And I wanted to ask you, I'm just start with this. Why not? Uh, I did find it interesting and uh, somewhat fascinating recently reading about um, The Veil. Your paranormal team, your paranormal investigation team, let's talk about The Veil. What have you guys been up to? Where is this leading, first of all, and just sort of what have some of your findings been? Because I'm as fascinated by uh, the paranormal as you are. I watch Unsolved Mysteries all the time. Where could this be going for you guys? Well, I tell you, I, I started ghost hunting about five years ago. Uh, I was pr- approached by a production company that uh, wanted said, hey, look, we read your interviews. We know you're into paranormal and you're interested in it. We'd like to maybe talk about having a, doing a TV show. Um, and I, you know, it's something that always been in the back of my mind. And I said, that's great. So uh, in a nutshell, I just started putting a team together. And I've been through several production companies. And I'm with a team right now that uh, we... Uh, what we've done is we, we did the sizzle in the deck. We've done a lot of investigations. We filmed five, but we have taken the show to where, uh, it, the unique twist about it is the fact that we take celebrities on our investigations with us. So we have about 40 celebrities that have signed on, uh, and agreed to do the show once we get the network. So we've actually taken it to a couple of networks so far. One of them was Access TV, Mark Cuban's uh, yes. network. It got all the way to his desk. Everybody in the company loved it. Got to his desk, and he said, no paranormal or cooking shows. Oh. So, um, yeah. So he passed on it, and they felt really bad because they really wanted the, the producers really wanted it for the network. So what we're doing right now is we are we have the funding for the show, but the funding doesn't come to fruition until we get a network to sign on. Um, so we are going to fund the pilot on our own. We're doing a crowdfunding it's called Indiegogo. It's a, it's a campaign to raise funds from donors and giving them, uh, you know, parts of, uh, like giving them the incentives. Sure. Best. Like, like a, you know, the crowdfunding thing. Um, we are going to uh, shoot the pilot. We're going to actually put the campaign out in about a week so people can, uh, if they like to pledge and be a part of it, uh, the, the more they pledge, the more, I mean, you can even, for a certain amount, even be on the set when we film the show. So what we do is my team of seven people, we take celebrity guests and we go to in, uh, paranormal, uh, in, do paranormal investigations and locations throughout the South right now. Now, our first guest is going to be Theo Crane from Walking Dead and Underground. And he is going to uh, be our first guest on the show for the pilot. So our idea is we get the pilot done, and then we can actually use the pilot to uh, shop to the networks because we feel like you can send them a sizzle in the deck all day long and, and let them know about the idea. But they want to. I, I think them seeing the show in action is uh, going to really be amazing because you're talking about a team with. I have some of the best seasoned investigators out there on my team. I have, we have a, a medium. We have a guy that's been doing ghost hunting for 30 years. We have the, the audio video guy is the head of product development for PV. And, uh, then we have two techs, uh, and I have a paralegal 
and who's been doing ghost hunting for 20, 30 years herself. And um, it's amazing. We've been doing investigations for the last few years, and we've we constantly coming up with evidence everywhere. So, plus taking celebrities on the investigations yeah. is going to be really interesting to see how they react to it. And uh, so, we've got everybody uh, that's given us commitments to do the show from Flavor Flav to <laughs> Dave Ellison and Rudy Sarzo. So, um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. So that's where we are with that, man. Awesome. Uh, that that sounds. That that sounds sweet, man. I hope to see that you know see that picked up by network. I'm a huge fan of those type of shows, especially you know having guests like that. I mean, I, and, and you can you know get into the the technical aspects if you want. But you know, my question is this: when it comes to to things like ghost hunting, to the paranormal, I mean, ha- technology wise, how close are we um, to being able to use? Things like what you guys do, you you do the all, all the sound equipment and, and and all the things that you guys do. How is there any, at any point in our lifetimes going to be able to use stuff like that as say like you know evidence permissible in court? I mean, is there ever a time where we're just finally going to be able to say yes, this exists and this is just sort of a you know a, where everybody realizes this is what the deal is? Or are we just going to live under this shroud of of mystery forever and, and, and things like what you guys do and shows like that? Or are we ever going to come to a point where it's just universally accepted that, that ghosts do exist? Well, to be honest with you, I don't see any time soon where it is because, I, for example, look at the UFO situation. I mean, we've got uh, pictures drawn thousands of years ago in hieroglyphics and and, and ancient art of UFOs in the sky and aliens, and people still don't, uh, you know, yeah. still people close-minded to it. I mean, I guess we're always going to get closer as, as science and technology evolves, but as far as, like, getting to the point where, I mean, if there are UFOs out there, we have the proof. It's just being hidden from the public. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think it, millions of people can be just making these things up all the time. I know that we do get evidence. I know that we record voices. I know that things get moved around. I know that people get scratched. I know that people get touched. I know I can feel uh, an entity, uh, the uh, electricity going through my body. I know I can smell things that are, are relatable to uh, somebody who passed away years ago. I know that, uh, you know, we can see shadows. Those things, they do exist now. Do we have irrefutable proof of that? No. Sure. no. I don't know if we'll ever really get that. Um, you know, like, uh, as far as, like, capturing a ghost in a cage and saying, <laughs> hey, we found one. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't see that. Our job is, what I'm trying to do, is to bring proof and evidence to open people's minds up to the fact that there's life beyond this. Because I think, when you look at how screwed up our planet is right now, the reason why we seem to be on an evolutionary downswing is because we become more and more of a godless society. And I think with the in, the advent of new technology and things, may we rely, or most people rely so much on man for his happiness. And true happiness doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from a car or money or this. It comes from having a relationship with a higher being. In my case, I'm a born-again Christian, so... Uh, with with God, uh, that's where true eternal happiness is going to come from. Now, I you know I can have twenty minutes of happiness because I had a good meal or you know, I'm shopping and I bought a cool shirt, but that's that's not happiness. That's just a that's just a little touch of joy, right? 
Sure. So, true happiness is when you know you realize your purpose, and you realize that you know what we're just that we're a, a spiritual being in a in a in a body suit, pretty much. But to know that there's something beyond this is a, that's an amazing thing to realize or have faith and hope in. And we have no proof of it yet. We have lots of potential evidence. We have people that have died and come back. We have, you know, uh, tons of evidence of, of the interaction with something that we don't understand where it's coming from. A lot of it is intelligent, so it can be related back to true instances. But a lot of it, it it's, it's down on faith. But, yeah, we're getting the evidence. But if I can get people to feel like, you know what, there's, there's something beyond this life right here. So maybe I shouldn't be so unhappy. Maybe I should, you know, open up myself spiritually and, and want to, you know, have, have some moral compass because I do feel like what happens to me after I die is going to, where I go next is going to have some, uh, uh, the result of how I lived in this life. You know, if you don't have a moral compass, what is your, What's the, and you're going to die and, and stay in the ground, and that's the end of you. What's the motivation for a lot of people to, to do the right thing? You know, yeah. not just by themselves. It, it, you know, lack of hope brings people to uh, unhappiness and selfishness, to be honest with you. You know, so I'm hoping on a, another level to just be entertaining and fun and say, hey, look, you know, this is. There's ghosts out there. There's spirits, souls, whatever you want to call it. You know, all I know is I'm running this recorder and I hear a little kid talking in the background, and there was not a kid in the place. So mm-hmm. you tell me what it is. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. You talk about being a born again Christian and and, and um, me being one myself. And I always think about this because I absolutely believe in the paranormal. And I guess uh, my question to you is: Where does your belief in the paranormal sort of intertwine with? Um, your belief about religion? Do you believe, I mean, wh- why are there ghosts? What are they doing? I mean, if, if, if we truly believe in dying, going to heaven, going to hell, what, what, where are ghosts sort of in the realm here? What, what do they want? What are they doing? Well, this is the one, I, I came up with this quote many, many years ago, and I live by it. And it's, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that goes to every person on this planet. Yeah. Our tiny little sponge brains even the most intelligent human on the, on this planet is incapable of understanding the truth about reality and existence. And we're just not built for it. Yes, we can try within our limitations to learn as much and hypothesize as much as we can what we think something is, but we don't know until we go there, until we move on to that next thing. So it, you know, it, and I'm an, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I've gotten a few emails from people, a couple of them even being quite ugly to me. Like, well, you say you're Christian, well, how can you believe in ghosts? And I'm like, well, you know, you ever heard of the Holy Ghost? <laughs> um, you know, uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I I don't know. All I can tell you is, I don't know where it says in the Bible anywhere that there's no such thing as a spirit or a ghost. As a matter of fact. Uh, Quite the contrary, yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. To the contrary, you're right. There are many examples of, you know, of moving on as a soul. The soul is that's the essence of what we are. Is a spirit. We're a soul, and I don't know what happens. I don't know if heaven and hell are exactly the way 
that man has created them, a hell of a fiery pit, and heaven is you living in clouds in a big house. I don't know that. None yeah. of us know that. All we know is that, uh, you know, the, the two basic forces of existence are good and evil. It's all we can go by, you know? You're either going one way or the other. And the, the way that I look at it is like this. I think that every one of us, like I said before, we are an immaterial being in a material body. That's all we are. So when we go, we're not matter in energy. You know, I mean, energy is never going to be broken down. That's what I think we are. We are soul. I yeah. Think when we pass away, I think when we pass away, we do go to a higher place. And look, let me ask you this: If you were in heaven, right, and, and you're, let's say, you're with God, and you're like, you know what? Uh, I really miss my family. I, you know, I'm watching out over. I wouldn't mind going back to where I live now and then, and, and just kind of seeing how things are going. Who's to say we're not able to travel? Certainly, to go back. Who's to say that there are, you know, in many of these cases, there there are really bad things that have happened, and uh, some of the spiritual souls are supposedly maybe trapped in there. How do we know what is going on when somebody is murdered or? Uh, or passes away suddenly or unexpectedly. How do we know if they're not, like, kind of stuck there confused? We don't know. Maybe they're going back because they're trying to uh, to make it make sense of it. Or, I don't know. You know, everybody thinks that as soon as you die, all of a sudden everything's amazing. You're either in heaven or hell. I don't I don't know. Uh, I'd like to think that it's good, that that's, that's how it goes, but who knows? Maybe the Lord lets you come back. Maybe unless you come back and go see where you grew up, because it is everything you do is always going to be a part of your soul. It's always going to be a part of who you are. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know, man. You know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that just because we get evidence, I know what it is. Maybe there are multiple dimensions. You know, I'm a student of Kung Fu, and my, uh, my instructor tells me all the time about different dimensions of existence. You know, who's to say that there aren't? Maybe maybe when we pass, we go into a different dimension where it would come back and forth between the two. I, I really don't know, but who are we to say? You know, and you start talking to top scientists and, and evolutionists, and, and they start giving you, you know, more scientific data about uh, than we've ever had before about, you know, hey, there's scientific proof that this has happened, that there is a God, that there is a heaven, this and that. You read stories people that have passed away and have gone to heaven or have gone to hell and they're strikingly similar to the uh, the uh, recollections of many other people mm-hmm. that aren't even related we don't know man it's such an immensely wide open field it, it is just, and that's the good part about it the fact that we're always going to be learning we're never going to know I think until we pass into the next yeah. Wherever we're going. <laughs> By the time we find out, it's too late to tell. I got <laughs> I've been I've had a computer thrown at me. I've got voices. I've been touched. Been scratched. Hey. Uh, you tell me what that is. You know, I see things, hear things, smell things. Uh, you tell me what it is. You know, because the proof is all over. Yeah, it seems to be, and that's going to be interesting and just really excited to see where 
this TV show goes, I know that it'll be uh, very informative, very fun, especially for those uh, you know fans of the paranormal and rock fans that could see some of these cool guests join you. And I can't wait for that. And I want to get in to your band. It is Lillian Axe. And actually, uh, by the time this show airs, you will have played this show here this weekend. So retroactively, go back to LillianAxe.com, grab some tickets for the show this weekend, and, and go. Um, if that's possible, we may, be, we may be getting to time travel, and that's a whole other issue. But uh, you guys do have a show coming up here uh, this weekend, another show coming up in May, early May. So what what are you guys looking at as far as uh, touring? you got a couple dates, obviously. What's going on as far as the, t- the touring schedule for Lillian Axe uh, coming up this spring and summer? Well, we've got shows. We're not going out right now and doing, like, uh, you know, four, five, six-week tours or anything like that. At this point, unless it's a really good tour package, it doesn't make sense to do that. And I think a lot of bands are figuring that out, um, especially with the way the economy is in the music business. You know, you, you're not seeing shows on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Um, it's just not feasible. Even big arena shows... Um, tend to not be on those days sometimes because it's just harder for people to get out and and go to shows like that. Sure. There's not a lot of support in in the uh, entertainment world as it is. You don't have magazines and radio stations and whatnot really working together with labels and and bands. That that whole thing hasn't happened in 15 years. So every event is it's very important. That you do everything in your power to make sure that it's it's of optimal success. So what we're doing is um, we're just doing like the you know one two offs. You know if we uh, we're going to be doing some shows down here. We're going to Dallas and Houston a couple of times. There's some talk about us um, doing um, a show with Stained in Dallas and then uh, playing uh, like three or four other Texas states. And we're talking about going to Guam for a week. Then we're going to Florida to do the '80s in the Park Festival. We're going on the Monsters of Rock cruise that's beginning in 2018 uh, for the third time. We're going to play uh, Rock and Skull Festival in October, so we'll be doing a Midwest run uh, around that. And uh, over the summertime, we'll be uh, adding more shows throughout Texas and Louisiana and Florida. So, Excellent. Uh, well, that's that's hey, the, always always out there, always doing doing the thing, and that's going to be great. And I know those monsters of rock cruises have to be fun. I'm surprised no one's gone overboard yet throughout all these. I mean, it's, they, things seem to go pretty smoothly out there on the high seas. Seems like a lot of fun. I've got to get on one one of these days. So that that seems like a ball doing those monsters of rock you cruises. You would think that there were a lot of, of, of alcoholic issues on there, but I got to be honest with you. Both times we've been on there, I rarely see anybody like totally inebriated and I have not seen any instances of drunken stupidity. That's good. So, um, which is a good thing. I guess people are a little bit, you know, nobody wants to fall over. overboard. So those things are so busy. There's so many things going on that you really don't have time to, do anything but go from band to band to watch concerts. How awesome! That that's the ultimate cruise for me, you know. And I'd say, you know, those Disney cruises, those are a thing of the past. Like I'm like, okay, the first time I saw Monster of Rock cruise, like, well, that's what I've been missing out on all my life. But I want to, hey, I want to get into because I keep hearing rumors, and I, you know, I saw you talk about. It's been a few months since you talked about um, the possibility of this new album, which uh, I believe was called From Womb to the to Tomb, which is going to apparently be this kind of epic, kind of a concept album. What's the status of that, and when? Can we maybe start expecting to to see things from this pop up? Well, we're putting out a 
a compilation album of the best of our ballads called The Forgotten Art of Melancholy. And it's going to have one new track on it called The Weeping Moon. And that's going to be coming out in a few months. We're getting ready to start. We're going to, uh, I just finished it and we're going to record it and uh, try to get that out uh, summertime. In the meantime, I'm writing and the, you know, it's, it's moving a little slower than I would like just because of the intensity of the material and uh, pressure I'm putting on myself to make it the most explosive record we've ever done. And um, it's called From Womb to Tomb, and it's it's loosely based on, well, I shouldn't say loosely, it's, it's based on the, the lessons and major events in my life from when I was born through the end, but they're also things that are... Um, kind of lessons learned that are relatable no matter who you are and what, what life you've led. Um, you know, the, the major things that we learn as we grow and um, not necessarily like specific to what, like, you know, I'm not going to use, well, this was about the time that I did this exactly, but it'll be about what it's like to experience that feeling that that way anybody can relate to it. Because I like to write and allow people to take the ideas and make them fit for their own life, you know? Yeah. And um, so, but it's, it's really, it's big, it's, it's epic. You know, I've, I've found over the years that people are drawn more emotionally to our big epic songs like World Stop Turning, Ghost of Winter, Death Comes Tomorrow, Fields of Yesterday, and... Um, you know, stop the hate and one in all's fair and ones like that. And those are the ones that I really, truly enjoy writing the most. Um, and that's kind of where my head is. And now with the, the, with the way the music scene is, I don't have pressure on me that I have to come up with a, a format type of record or sound. So I'm pretty much just trying to write the best album I've ever done. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a bit emotionally challenging because I have all these things that I want to say, but I, I I'm trying to make sure musically that they are just uh, busting out at the seams, so to speak. Yeah, well, um, so can't wait. I tell you, Lillian Axe has been a band that has been so respected from the inception. And I'll tell you what, this these run of albums you've done since in the last ten years, hard to believe it's been ten years since Waters Rising. What a great album that yeah. was. And to follow it up with Sad Day on Planet Earth and Deep Red Shadows and The Days Before Tomorrow, you guys have had such a run. And how important have these albums, these 2000s albums, been kind of to the band's legacy? Because you guys came out of the shoot with uh, uh, the self-titled and Love and War and Poetic Justice. What a, what, a, what a punch those were, those three in a row. And then to come back with these, how important have these last several albums been to you guys because you know to, to put this thing back together and to do this as well as you have and, and having to interchange a singer in there and Brian Joe's doing a great job by the way great singer just how important have, have these latest albums been I mean it's been a great 10 year run yeah you know the, the only sad part about it is that we put these records out in a we're in a, in a sad state as far as the, the music business and and the support that bands get these days yeah you know yep that's the um, you know if what if days before tomorrow had been released in 1991 you know um, yeah, I think about those things and you know it, it's always what if you know but I can't be like that you know 
we make the best record that we can at the time. The thing about the last the five releases that we've had or so is that with with every album, we take another momentous step into, you know, where we're trying to go. You know, um, I'm never, ever completely satisfied. Um, I, you know, I, I listen to, honestly, it sounds weird, but I listen, I have our box set in my car, and I listen to all our records all the time, and it's not for any other reason. It's not because of, you know, trying to pat myself in the back. I genuinely love our music more than any other band, yeah. you know, which I guess is a good thing. Of course, you know, occasionally you get a little, okay, I've been playing Misery Loves Company for 30 years, all right, I, I got it. Um, but I still love listening to it. it. It means a lot to me. So that's a, when, you know, it's got to move me first or it's not going to move anybody else. And it still does after these years. But the last, you know, a few records have allowed us to, uh, I guess, show people that we're, you know, we have our own legacy. We have our own unique thing that, you know, for however well-known it is or not, it's, it's solid and it's true. And we're going to keep on making the best possible music we can until we're physically unable to do it anymore. Yeah, and, and, and that, you know, and that's just it because Lillian Axe has always been one of those bands. It's one of those deals where, to me, like you, you meet somebody and you, and they say, "Hey, yeah, I'm a bit, you know, I love, I love Motley, I love White Snake, I love Poison, I love Def Leppard." And then you get a little deeper into it, and you like, "Have you ever heard of Lillian Axe? Absolutely great band. If you know who Lillian Axe is, they, they absolutely love you." Do you look back at the '80s? Of course, you guys had the first album in um, in '87 or '88. The first yeah. self-titled '88, and then to follow it up with Love and War, which to me is one of the top five rock albums of the 1980s. Uh, Love and War is amazing. Do you ever look back on Thank that and know. say, like, what, you know, as far as not attaining quite the commercial success, but still having the respect of peers and fans, I mean, is it interchangeable? A lot of bands, you know, you sell out, they they go away, you've outlasted most of them, but yet there, there's still that level of did not quite get to the level of a Motley, of a Bon Jovi. I mean, not many did, but those albums are so good, man. I mean, you got to look back on that and just feel really satisfied, at least with that. I do, especially on, like, Love and War, Poetic Justice, and, and Psycho Schizophrenia, because those albums were, they really were unique. They weren't like everything else that was coming up. It was like they were in a bad timing uh, zone or something. Like, like they, you know, we came out at the very end of the 80s, uh, and then our biggest records were, like, right when grunge started kicking in, you know? So it's like... Maybe we could have just pulled everything back six or seven years and maybe we would have gotten more respect. But, you know, the bands that had the big commercial successes, those bands had, you know, they deserved it, but they also had a whole lot of help. And they had a whole lot of a machine behind them. We never had that. You know, we kept getting in bad management and label situations until we got on IRS and uh, and Grand Slam IRS. And that that was when we started to see the light. But then all of a sudden, right after Psycho Schizophrenia, the label folds. We were like the only band making any money for them. And so, um, but it was, um, it was just a situation where it just seemed like we were like this bastard child. That, <laughs> you know, you, you had to you really have a, uh, you really had to get it. It wasn't surface level stuff, but when you got it, it, it clung to you, you know, and that's how we kind of felt. So we still do that. It, I mean, I love going out and getting on stage and playing the full set in every song, one into the other. You just see how people 
emotionally attach themselves to it. You know, like a guy told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, man, when I go to a Lillian show, he goes, it's not just a concert. He said, it's an emotional, spiritual, religious kind of experience for me. Um, that, you know, the, the songs and uh, they, they get to him, you know, they, they hit a part of him that other music that he liked just didn't hit, you know? And, and that to me is a, that's a blessing, man. That's a, that's a, a, a very huge compliment to me, you know? Um, yeah. A lot of bands that were like in stuck in our kind of, uh, I don't know, altered dimension or whatever, like Saigon Kick and King's X. They were bands that got put in the same category as bands that should have had more commercial success, uh, but didn't for whatever reason, you know? So, you know, there's lots of great bands out there, man. You know, it's just, you know, success is relative. You know, I think we've been very successful. I'd like to have the huge commercial success, but Lord has us doing what we're doing here for a reason. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I'll probably get, the band will get hugely successful when my TV show takes off. That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That that is, that is how it works. And, you know, and I've just been always such a fan. I was able to see you guys back in 2009. You guys rolled through Kansas City and it was a, what, it was a big deal for me because I'd actually seen you at Rocklahoma before that, the very first Rocklahoma. And then you guys came through uh, on a tour in Kansas City. And I've always just been such a fan. I mean, anyone that likes this genre, even remotely, I always throw them Love and War, Misery Loves Company, Psycho Schizophrenia. I mean, those albums are just so good. Um, such a huge fan of it. But I mean, you know, when it comes to the, you know, the success aspect, I mean, you guys, a lot of people don't realize or may not realize, I mean, you guys from, are from Louisiana. You're in the Louisiana Hall of Fame, Music Hall of Fame as of 2010, right there with Better Than Ezra and Zebra. I mean, come on here. You, but, but you guys, uh, never made it out to LA. Do you, do you feel like that was maybe a mistake in hindsight? No, we, we played LA before. It's just, it's, we don't go there rel- uh, regularly. Sure. Now we did, the, we did the first two albums out there. We did the first album. Okay. At, uh, at a Cherokee studio in Hollywood. And then uh, Love and War we did in Burbank at the Enterprise, which I don't even know if those either still exist. <laughs> but um, the last time we were in Los Angeles was when we played uh, the Viper Room and the Whiskey. And that was probably maybe 2009. When, but we did that uh, America Rocks tour with uh, Jack Russell and Pastor Pussycat. And that was, uh, I don't think we played L.A., but we played in California in the area, like Santa Ana and maybe a couple of other cities, Sacramento or whatnot. But uh, we just, yeah, we weren't a part of the L.A. Yeah. scene or the New York scene. We were, we came from the land down under when, you know, there was no history. The only other, you know, national act playing rock was Zebra. And, um, you know, it just it didn't, it, it didn't have that, uh, we didn't have friends, you know, we weren't pals with, Motley Crue and Metallica, so we didn't get the good opening slots. You know, we just we did our own thing, man. We were we were always like the the working man's band. We just we you know we we toured with other bands, but never got like major arena or stadium tours. Uh, but we kept playing, man, and we just built the following. And we're a band that's very close to our fans and accessible. I mean, always very accessible. I mean, you know. We're there early, and we're the last ones to leave. 
We that, I can attest to that. It, and if you're watching this interview right now on the, on the YouTube version, we do uh, iTunes and YouTube. Of course, if you're watching the YouTube version right now, you're looking at a picture of myself with Steve Blaze after the show in 09. So, yes, I can attest to the fact that this is a very, oh, man, you stay after and you guys are just hanging out. Just hanging out, talking music with people. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And, and this was an outdoor show uh, where we saw you outside uh, in, in a venue here in Kansas City downtown. And just to have people just hanging out at, you know, at midnight, just shooting the breeze with people it was unbelievable i've never seen anything like that and i think that's what sets lillian x apart plus you guys have never killed anyone or had any you know publicized overdoses i mean I think that you know of course that winds up hurting and you know when you don't get in the press for those negative <laughs> reasons you know but that's that's a good thing of course obviously so yeah. but, but no you guys have always been like you said a hard-working band that's what we appreciate and i tell you so looking forward to this uh this new album whenever it's able to to hit the shelves we're looking forward to of course you know, these days hitting the shelves that's a that's an idiom because we're really talking about probably a some sort of amazon digital release i mean i don't even know if, we, if physical copies if you guys would do that anymore would you do that yes we would <laughs> good we will put out copies. Uh, there's no doubt about that we that's are good put out copies. you know when i when i put a record out I, the record to me is not about a, a bunch of songs it is a it is one work just like a show we take time to make sure that there's a flow and that the songs move together and there's a method to it because I want it to be a complete experience. When you listen to a record, I want you to put it on and listen all the way through until the end. And then what did you just experience for the last hour? It's not like, let's just throw a bunch of songs on there. They're not, there's no flow. There's no correlation between the songs. It's a, it's a, an entire, it's like a book. Yeah. Each one is a yep. chapter. You can't go to chapter six and read that and, 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 uh, okay, I, I get it. You know, I know what the book's about now. No, you don't know what the book's about until you've read it from start to finish. And it makes sense. I've done that with every record or tried to. And, um, and, and that's especially with this next studio record. It'll be, it'll be vital to be like that because it's going to be, it starts off from the birth. Uh, of a human being until his his last breath. No question about it. And Steve, I tell you what, we, you know, keep up the good work because, um, there's a lot of people out there that really appreciate what you guys do. Best of luck out there with the show, uh, this weekend. I know you guys will be tearing it up as always and we'll be on the lookout for that new album. Steve, I tell you what, thanks so much for your time, man. This has been a true pleasure for us here. And uh, let's catch up, man. If you guys anywhere near the Midwest, we need to get in touch and we'll, we'll, uh, come out and review and enjoy that show and make sure because it's been, it's been almost like eight years now since I've been able to see the band. It's time again. So let's make it happen. Oh, God. Hey. It's time to do it. So, Steve, best of luck out there. We will be in touch. And uh, can't thank you enough for joining us, my man. Hey, look, I really appreciate you having me. Please stay in touch with me. You know how to reach me. And uh, I'll keep you posted and let you know. And uh, when I have some music ready, I'll let you hear it first and uh, give me your opinions. And uh, anything I can do for you, let me know, okay? That would be awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. We will be in touch for sure. Have a great weekend and have a great show, man. Thank you, my friend. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Steve Blaze from Lillian Axe and Clint. Once again, one of the most personable guys we've talked to. Yeah, I, I absolutely is, and a uh, really good guy. I was able to meet him um, in 2009 uh, after a show Lillian Axe did coming through here in Kansas City, and I've really always been a fan of his guitar work, a really good guy, just a really good band. I mean, a very hardworking band. Like we talked about in the interview, never was able to attain that commercial success. But for what it's worth, the people that know who Lillian X are, the people that uh, re- you know, the 
recognize their work. They're they're a band that's going to get brought up. You talk about okay, you meet somebody on the street. Hey, yes, I'm a I love Motley Crue. I love White Snake. I love Poison. Well, you get a little deeper, and if someone that you know that says yes, yeah, Lillian Axe, absolutely, I remember them. Then you know you've got you've got a friend and someone right. that knows knows the the scene knows Lillian Axe. Huge right, fan of theirs. Right, and I I run uh, actually heard about them uh, back in what was it eighty eight I believe. Uh, that was the first time I'd actually heard some of their stuff. Uh, when I moved out here in 88, they were playing on a station called 106X. Um, so the commercial success wasn't there, but I'll tell you what, one of the best bands, one of the best 80s rock bands that I've heard. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can catch up whenever they roll out um, on this next tour. Hopefully they can hit up the Midwest and... Uh, like uh, Steve mentioned in the interview, he's going to give us kind of the heads up on this new album from Womb to Tomb, which is going to hopefully be coming out here, um, you know, sometime um, before 2018. Can't wait to hear from that. And guys, we just can't thank you enough for listening. Music Mania podcast, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, YouTube. Follow us. Give us those likes. We always appreciate the feedback. Good or bad, icicle, side prick, right. we love it all. I lo- You know, a good nickname. If you've got a good nickname that is like negative in tone, you've made it, I think. Very creative, I thought, with icicle and side prick. I'm a fan. Prick. I'm a fan. So. Although, uh, I don't know I don't know how creative you can get by being side prick. But, well, yeah. that's true. Icicle, uh, though, for you, yeah, yeah, you're, you're cool under pressure. I can see. Well, then it's a compliment, and I'm taking it as such. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on next week's show, and we hope you guys have a great weekend. As always, hit those like buttons. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Never miss a show. Clint Schweitzer and Paul Lagana out.